Good morning to all of you who are joining us via Zoom. Great to see you. And uh, really happy to be here with you guys on a beautiful, sunny, almost actually hot day, which is really amazing. From shoveling snow to tanning, uh, it's quite a jump uh, in a short amount of time. Um, what I want you guys to do uh, is try something with me. I was, uh, this is early on in my learning how to play drums. I had a teacher that taught me the basics of rhythm. And he said, you're going to learn how to do just the, you know, the basic kind of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and just start doing that. And I thought that was terribly boring, but he had me just doing that. Then he introduced to me something I hadn't even thought of, which he said, now I want you to do one and two and three and four. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool, but that's, you know, that's getting there. <coughs> I mastered that. Then he came back and said, now I want you to learn about the one e and a two e and a three e and a. And I said, what's the e a e stuff that's in between all that? And it was all the other little beats that are happening within the one, two, three, four. And, uh, and then I began to understand what he was teaching me was that what I'm doing with one hand would be the one E and a two E and a three E and a four. And then the other hand would be doing the stuff that comes in between all of that. While my foot would be keeping somewhat of a kind of a bass type of beat and rhythm to it. Well, that was a little bit more complicated. We hadn't gotten there yet. That was for later. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, all of that is included in it. So I want you to try something with me. I want uh, one of you to, to, to if, you, if you have rhythm, give this a shot. If you don't, uh, we'll fire you and uh, have someone else replace you. But uh, try give it, try keeping, let's just do a simple. Okay. Well, let's do it this way. From Danielle over, you're going to do this. Okay, this middle section, Doris, right here, you're going to go, you guys aren't responding. Holly, you're out. You're out. Okay, this side, can you do that? Yes, it's really awful. It's got to stay in time with that. Ready? Now this section right here, you're going to do not bad, not bad. Now see how this is a, this requires a stretch. If you're via Zoom land, we just did something really complicated, but yeah, you had, you had the timekeeper, you had a drummer over there, little advantage. But you understand how this can get very difficult to kind of tune in to rhythms and times, and it requires this, a bit of a stretch for some of us. Yeah. I remember getting up this week, and I went downstairs for a day of work, and I was inside the basement. Lights were on because there's no lights where I'm sitting. And I came downstairs, and it was bright outside, and everything was, you know, was sunny, and it was nice. I come upstairs, and it's only 4 o'clock. And everything's dark upstairs. 
And I said to, I said, literally just came out out of my mouth. I said, it's dark, <laughs> like <laughs> stating the obvious. But you know, that moment of realization, like I lost track of time. And because of a couple things, the time being set back, us losing an hour or gaining an hour, whatever it is, we set the clocks back and it getting darker earlier threw my own sense of time off. And I'm sure some of you can relate to that, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And so we're in this season where we're having to adjust to periods of time, not to mention all the other sort of things that are happening in our world that are shifting our sense of what is this time about? And how do we engage in this season? What, is, what are we supposed to be doing during this season? And it's a difficult one to answer because on one hand, some of us might be thinking this is what we should do and someone else will think, no, we should be doing that. And, and there's all sorts of different interpretations of what this season is about. And that's on the macro scale. Then there's own, your own rhythms internally, like what am I supposed to be doing with my days? A lot has shifted. COVID has shifted a lot of things in my life. What do I do with my days? How do I use it? And so Ecclesiastes 3, uh, where we are today, really addresses quite a bit of this idea of what happens when there's a major shift in your life and how to think about it, how to respond to it. And what I want to do is, is read this passage, and then we're going to start at the very end of this passage and then work our way backwards. Because it is here at the end that he gives us a sense of what this is really all about and how to think in terms of time. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 all the way to verse 10. So Ecclesiastes 3, and again, Ecclesiastes, is the te this is the teacher who's teaching and uh, giving wisdom. So there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. Now, right away, my mind went, oh, you know, the birds, the song, you know, and, and you hear that song going on in your head or you... Think of funerals and weddings where you may have heard this passage read and all of it starts to become familiar to us. It's familiar because of the songs. It's familiar because of the times it's been quoted or read at different events. But it's also something that speaks deeper to us that there's a sense that we are also living in seasons, in times, in rhythms. And this seems to be good wisdom for us right now. So let's keep reading and see what we get from this. Time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, Time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. COVID days. How did he know? <laughs> uh, a time to search, a time to give up. A time to keep, time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. 
time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So I read an extra verse in here. I want to ask you via Zoom, those folks who are uh, watching us, um, could you put in the chat, what does this evoke for you? As you read this, as you hear this, the time, the rhythm, uh, what does it do for you? Is, this, is there a sense of like, this feels comforting, uh, this feels distressing, uh, this feels very confusing, I'm not sure what this means. Um, please let us know and uh, maybe Mario, if you wanna at some point interrupt and, and give me some of the feedback. But what does this do for those of us who are gathered here as well? What does it evoke for you? A fog being lifted? Yeah. That's really, that's a good picture. Yeah. Yeah. For Morris and I, it's definitely a time to give away and a time to throw away and not time to keep. <laughs> I was thinking about you when I was reading this, actually. I was like, I got to ask Joe about this. I'm glad you see it, my brother, and I didn't have to tell you. Joe, read this verse. It's okay to be in the moment. It's okay to be in the moment. Ooh. Thank you. You've stolen a part of my sermon. That's great. Thank you for that. That's that's where I was going with it. Yeah. I think it's frustrating because I only want the good stuff on that list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. It, it has all sorts of does all sorts of things um, depending upon where we are. I want to start though with verse uh, verse nine, ten, and eleven. Because verse 9, 10, 11 are super confusing, but yet they shed total clarity and understanding on the previous verses, this whole rhythm. Mario. Laurie says, uh, need wisdom to know what, which time it is. <laughs> yes. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. That's exactly where I was going with this. Is like one of my big points of, of the talk this morning is, man, we need to know what time this is and wisdom to know how to respond. Um, and so I'd love to hear even in, in the chat feed, if you're getting some sense of wisdom, what's coming up for you? What do you sense is, you know, our response? What, is it, what do you sense the season's about and how to respond as the chopper's flying overhead? So this is, this is a season to be silent right now. So the toil at verse nine, what do workers gain from their toil? Again, remember we talked about this last week. The word in Hebrew is hevel right? The vapor, breath, um, not meaningless, uh, even though that's the way it's translated by the NIV and others. That's a, that's a pessimistic view of this, which is, isn't, I believe, what Koheleth is trying to do and teach us, is it's, again, the point I made last week, which sums up the entire book, and we could just finish there, is the problem with most of what we're trying to do in life is derive more meaning out of the things that life offers us than what they're capable of giving to us. That's the fundamental problem that Koheleth is addressing. It's when we're trying to grab a hold of something and hold on to it, even though it's only there temporarily, what happens? It's a vapor, it's air, 
it passes through our fingers. That's what makes it meaningless. Not that the thing itself is meaningless. It's our attempt to try to derive more meaning out of things and what they're capable of giving to us. And so what he is saying is, again, asking that question, what is this all about, this toil? Why do we toil? Why is there a burden, this burden that we carry, that we feel very much within us, that when we're doing absolutely nothing, we feel useless and we feel like we should be doing something. And then when we're doing a whole lot, we feel overwhelmed by that and wish we weren't so busy, right? It's a burden. It's this contrast, this, this contradiction, this paradox that lives within us. And we feel this weight on us. And oftentimes the wisdom is found in the contradiction. I always say wisdom's found in contradiction, not in the binaries. It's in the contradiction itself that we, we, we are able to press more deeply. Because this paradox is there to surface something to us. What are you trying to grab out of life? So let's start with, with, with that. Uh, and, the, and then we'll talk about the beauty uh, that he mentions here as well. Um, so... Verse one, a time to be born and a time to die. Bookends, the bookends of our life. And you might think, and, and it, you know, time to be born, oh, that's like the best. I, I don't know about you, but when, when I was holding AJ the first, very, very first day he was born, I had mixed feelings. Now I know this isn't the thing you're supposed to say, as a parent, you're supposed to be like, oh, I was just so in love. I couldn't. Now that may be true for a lot of us, but for me, I had a lot of other things going on. Like, oh my God, I'm responsible for this thing. <laughs> like this thing that we have in our hands now is our responsibility. And I could really screw this up. <laughs> and that would be a, this is like one of the most uh, eternal consequences, you know, is ruining a life of the life of, of your own child. So I had that going on in me. I had the awe and the mystery of this is a life. Like, oh my gosh, it's only like a, a day old or a few hours old. And I'm looking at this child that has just been born and it's amazing and, and inspiring. And, and then I'm thinking, oh, my life is gonna change. Oh, I like my life. <laughs> I, like, I like my days. I like my freedom. I, I, now I'm gonna have less of it, All right? So that went through my heart and mind as well. So in that moment, I can, I, you know, in retrospect, I can look back and nostalgia always does this to us. We all look back and we think, oh, life was great in those days. But when we're in that moment, we're not really thinking that at the very moment. We're thinking a lot of other things as well. And then in the moments to die, we think, oh, that's horrible. That's nothing but tragedy. And I hate death and all this other th stuff that goes through us. But have you ever had something like this happen to you where you had someone close to you pass and in those moments, there were moments where you reconciled with somebody, where you became closer to the people you loved, where there were moments of tenderness, moments of experience of being loved and held in those moments that were utterly transcendent and beautiful. In the moments of passing, memories about the person that you were able to hold those and treasure those. What did that do for you? Life, death, he has made everything, what? Beautiful in its time. Now the, 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 temp, the, the tendency can be that we take that and we think, 
beautiful is in like the future. Like he's gonna, he's got, God's gonna make everything beautiful in its time. Like way off in the future, in the sweet by and by, as the old religious people used to say. No, he is actually saying beautiful in its rhythm. Life, death, mourning, celebration, silence, speaking, embrace, refraining from embrace, building, tearing down the rhythms. Every single one of those beats, there is something beautiful within that. But it's when we allow the longings in our heart. Well, feedback going on. That's not really beautiful. I mean, we can work at trying to find beauty out of that sound, but you know. Um, so, a little feedback, I think, was happening between the devices, right? Oh, okay. All right. So the rhythm of beauty is balanced now by the rhythm of longing for eternity or the seeking after knowledge that we don't quite have yet, trying to understand what is this mean? What does this mean? What is this about? And we can get caught in that. And that pulls us out of the moments of beauty. And yet the longing itself is, is also created by God, the desire to know more, the desire to understand, the desire to see clearer, to, see, to understand more. That's also within the human heart. And it's not a bad thing. And once again, none of these are bad things. None of these extremes are bad. A time to mourn, a time to celebrate, time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. These all have their time. They all have their beauty. And so even the desire to understand more is beautiful. But he says, this is all true and this is all beautiful. But here's the thing. The temptation will be for you to try to make more out of each one of those or to get stuck in one of them and incapable of discerning when the rhythm has changed. And many of us struggle with that as I do. Getting stuck on one beat and liking that beat and don't want it to change. But I'm not in charge of that rhythm. I don't create that rhythm. We don't create that rhythm. That rhythm seems to exist outside of us. And that's the right kind of humility to recognize we don't control the ultimate rhythms of life. But we can engage and make incredible beauty out of each one of them. A time to be born, a time to die. The second one I want to talk about is a time to build and a time to tear down. This is one in which there is so much that has happened in 2020 as we near the end of it that has been about a tearing down. And I don't know about you, but I have fought some of the tearing down. Some of it I've been like, thank God, that's, that's gone, right? You, you can all relate. There are moments where you're just like, I'm glad that's passing. That was bad to begin with. I'm glad this season has changed. But other parts of it that we will struggle profoundly with it. I think about the, the church world, the political world, and um, the, the world of business. So we'll talk about those three real briefly. But I'm really wanting to have a dialogue, not tell you I know the answers to this, because I don't. Heck, I do. <laughs> I do not know what this is about. I can make some suggestions, but they're really, I think, like, 2% accurate and 2% thought through, and that's about it. There's so much to know. There's so much we don't understand. 
But 2020 has been a year of, it seems like, tearing down of old structures and old systems. You think about the church world, and I've talked, interacted with pastors, I'm in contact with a lot of them still, and I would get the feedback oftentimes of trying to fight against what was the inevitable. You know, it's, it's really difficult because we all are fighting against that piece of we want to gather, we want to be together in the same place. And the resistance to what is changing because it feels bad. And, it, and we can moralize it. Like, it is bad because, well, we're not allowed to gather and all the pastors know all the verses to pull out to support, you know, <laughs> that, that position. Like, you know, we're supposed to gather together. Hebrews 10 says, do not forsake the assemblies of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So we're going to gather nonetheless. And then there's been breakouts of COVID in churches, more so than almost in any other sector, because many churches have resisted you know, going with it. And I understand the resistance. I totally, I love this right here, what we're doing right now. I wish I could do this every, I, I wish this was the case every single week. I love this, right? But then I'm talking to one of my clients yesterday and she said, you know, my husband, look at this, the leaves are coming down. Anthony brought my attention to that a moment ago. Like, isn't this beautiful? Leaves coming down. The beauty of fall, the beauty of things dying and creating beauty as they're dying. It's just, it's astounding. Yeah. This client of mine says, you know, Joel, I know a lot of people are upset about COVID and not being able to meet, but you know that my husband who has never attended church and resisted attending church for the first time in our marriage has been coming every week since March not missed a single service. And that means so much to me. He's doing this with me. And there's so many stories like that. There is something shifting and we will wanna resist it, but there's a time to tear down and some of the structures seem to be changing because the tearing down is not for the end result of annihilation. The tearing down has beauty in it. And then there's also the building up, which of course has beauty in it as well. And so as we engage this, we're engaging in, oh, the church is also changing. How it gathers, how it sees itself, that's changing. And it will continue to change. We don't know what, it, the, 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 what it'll look like in a year or two years from now. We don't have to. The longing again is the desire to try to get around that, right? God has set eternity in the hearts of men, right? Verse 11, we are trying to try to figure out what is coming around the corner and we need to do some of it to anticipate things, but also to recognize there's beauty right now in this moment. There's a longing that I'm trying to see around the corner, trying to peer around and see what the future holds and there is sometimes me trying to make more meaning out of things than what they can offer. And I get stuck sometimes in one rhythm and incapable of changing when the beat has changed. The band is playing a new song and I still want them to play the old song. And I wanna to clap to that and I wanna to dance to that. And time to build up. 
It'll come. There's a season right now where we have to stay faithful to this and to engage in it, to not resist it, but to say, okay, what is this? What's in this for me? What am I, how do I dance to this new rhythm? Because there's beauty in this moment. Until the day we breathe our final breath, there will be beauty even in our final breath. And then there's the final verse I want to pull up, which is the seeking and then giving up on the search. And this is similar to this. Wherein we sometimes are seeking for things and seeking for love, seeking for connections, seeking for answers that will not come. And in the search, <laughs> there is beauty. In the search, in the struggle to find. Some of it, we're all wired to search but we search in various different ways. And there's something wonderful about the search itself. But if we can take that disposition that this is what I'm doing, I'm seeking right now, not unaware that I'm seeking, I'm chasing, I'm trying to find the answer to things that are difficult to find answers to. And there's a moment where you stop seeking, where you give up, where you say, okay, I'm done. I can't make this thing work anymore. I can't find the answer to this anymore. I've tried. Now's the season to let go. Do we know how to let go? And that's, that's a constant question that, you know, I, I have to face. Is I, can I let go of things that I should let go of? I want to be right. Can I let go of being right <laughs> in this moment? And so I want to ask us to imagine what this could be like in closing, if we could engage the season fully, if we could discern what the season is about. So for those of you who are on Zoom, like maybe give some, some thoughts, whatever comes in terms of your sort of gut, if you could tap into that, like what is my gut saying this season's about? Is it a season to heal? Or is it a season to, 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 to rend or to kill, as he says, you know, as the, the, those two, the one that, that has to do with sowing and, and ripping, and then one that has to do with killing and healing. You know, what, what kind of season is this? Is this a season for that? Is it a season to speak our minds and to speak the truth and to say what we think? Is it a time to be silent? Because that's also there as well. What is the time? What do you discern internally is the time? And by the way, if you discern it and you think it makes you feel really good, you didn't discern it. <laughs> hey, Joe. Yeah. You know, so, um, as much as it, 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 uh, oxymoron as it sounds, you know, you talked about letting go. Sometimes you, you got to let go to hold on. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Anthony said, for those who, who uh, are by Zoom who didn't hear this and those of you on the outskirts, sometimes you have to let go to hold on. That's the deeper wisdom. Because you don't get there without actually doing that and then you know what you're talking about. You know, yes, the best way to hold on to something is by letting go. And that goes completely towards this uh, understanding of vapor, Hevel. If you want to enjoy the vapor, 
You ever watch people who smoke and can like create shapes with their with the smoke? It's pretty impressive talent, right? When they blow that and you look at it, you might want to try to grab it like, oh, that's amazing, right? And of course, we don't do that, but we you can only appreciate it for what it is, and that's the way you actually hold on to it is by the appreciation of what that is. Rob? Yeah, just to build on what you said, Anthony, that was, that was great. Um, what's been coming out from this chapter um, for me is maybe, maybe really tied into the fall as well, but you know, having known the, the cycles of farming, you, you, you're harvesting now. And you know, harvest is kind of done. What you do is you plow over. You are plowing, you're tilling, you're taking like these leaves are falling to the ground, seeds are falling to the ground, and they're you, you it's really a violent time in a mm. way. You're tearing up the whole field that you've tended for the whole year, you know, pulling weeds and harvesting and getting rid of bugs and so forth. But you're tilling it over. You're just you're you're tilling it over and then it um makes the, the barrels for the, the seeds going. Now, the seeds aren't going to be planted for a while. Um, certainly aren't going to grow for a while. Uh, but that's kind of the season. I just kept getting that. And maybe it's just the fall, too. <laughs> that's what all the farmers are doing. They're throwing over uh, and so forth. And sometimes it's really sad. You can't harvest a, uh, a whole field. Just it rained the wrong time. Something went wrong sometimes with the government subsidies, and they say, you're, you're, you can't actually harvest this. All this, they just till it down. The whole stuff that could be used elsewhere, and it just gets tilled into the ground. Mm. Uh, but it's part of life. It's just part of the cycle. Mm. Uh, and it's sad to, sometimes, but ultimately, it gives the greatest bounty. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's a, a great analogy, and the um, even the whole um, the scattering of stones in that that one verse of scattering stones and gathering stones. Yeah. In the ancient world, the scattering of stones was when there was a field that wasn't producing anything, or the field was uh, viewed as cursed or something. They would throw stones on the field, and that was a way to declare it, you know, dead, incapable of providing producing any life. The gathering of stones, the pulling up of stones, was the act of cre of of uh, new life. Like this field is going to produce. And what a difficult thing it is sometimes to finally get to that point of saying, this is the season, this is the right decision to make. As difficult as it is, we've tried, we've tried to harvest this field. We've tried to, we did everything we could. We planted, we, uh, we did everything possible for that part of the field to grow, and it didn't. And to recognize like it didn't, and this is what we have to do, right? And that can be hard. And in the moments, it's not that Things that sometimes we think about when we think of beauty is beauty is the same thing as like, let's say, joy or peace or, uh, or comfort, uh, painlessness. It's positive. But, he, but, the, but Koheleth is saying, you know, God has made everything beautiful in its time so that even these dark moments have beauty in it. And that's, someone said to me, you know, um, I, cre I create beauty. This is also a client. She said, I create beauty uh, for a living. That's what I do. I, I, uh, I make these beautiful, you know, I try to make these beautiful paintings, you know. And, but she said, you know, I find sometimes that when I'm doing this, I'm also sometimes going into things that have no beauty, 
and finding the beauty within them. And that is a gift to me. The ability to see what isn't beautiful and to find the beauty within it and to call it out. So even in the lives of pe people's lives that are like really broken, hurting, that she will find the beauty even within that. And so in this season, we're engaging a time, you know, now post, uh, well, we'll see, but we're past, uh, uh, you know, election Tuesday and we finally have uh, some sense of where things are going. And there'll be people who will gloat and want to tear down and want to, um, you know, there'll be all sorts of reactions. There'll be people who are upset, people who are happy. Um, but if we discern the time, you know, maybe this is a time for healing. Maybe this is a different time. Maybe it's a time to say, there's no winners in all of this. What we've realized is we're very divided more than we ever thought was the case. We are a very divided people across the country. And uh, we're probably not going to win. I, I, you know, I've said this before. You can't shame people into changing their minds and it's not going to work no matter how many posts we put on Facebook and you know, Twitter and anywhere else. We're not going to shame anybody into changing their minds. That doesn't work. We can't rationalize and get people to change. We can't legislate change either. You can legislate things and it'll change the rules, but it doesn't change the human heart. And we have found that out. And this is where we are today. And so maybe what we think about is, is this a season to heal? Is this a season to actually reach across to other people and to actually hear their stories? Not to have debates about their views and their opinions, but to actually listen to them, to listen to their hearts and to see if we can connect at that point and to want the best for them. Genuinely, I want your life to go well. I disagree strongly with your thinking about this or that or the other, but I love you and I want the best for you. And that is the approach I'm going to take. I wonder if we took more of that and we discerned the season to be one possibly of healing. It's up to you to discern this, that we could do something here. And of course, there are seasons for all sorts of things. So there's also the wondering about seasons of, is this a season to tear down, to build up? Is this a season to embrace, not to embrace? COVID has said we can't, so we avoid embraces. But there's all sorts of seasons and all sorts of both macro and micro decisions that we have to make. And so I offer that as some wisdom with no distinct answers because I think Oheleth is inviting us to wrestle without giving us a direct answer. And that's what's so frustrating about wisdom literature is it refuses to give us what to do exactly. It says, no, you're the hero of the story. There is no hero. Koheleth is not the hero. Jesus is not the hero. He never was and never wanted to be. It was always pointing back to you. Your faith has made you well. You tell me what you think I am, who, who you think I am. It's always you have to live your life. You have to discern. You have to develop the muscle of wisdom so you become better at discerning.